So today's prayer Sunday, and what we want to do, of course, is be thinking about what prayer is and definitely do a lot of praying. But, first of all, are you ready for a story? Yeah, oh, great. When you tell a story, you've always got to sit on a big chair, haven't you? So, are you ready for a story? Oh, good. So am I. I'm going to tell this story in the first person. All right? Have a listen. You don't need to say anything, even though some of you might want to make happy remarks about what I say. Just listen. You don't need to say anything. I was born in Samaria. And I had a happy father and a happy mother and an older brother as well. And my mum and dad got on really well together. It was a really lovely time. My dad worked hard and he uh, had land and a big house and plenty of servants. So we had a great time. I was really happy. But unfortunately, when I was 16, my mum died. My life really changed when that happened. From being really happy and outgoing and liking to be with friends, I wondered what was going on. I was really sad. I didn't want to live with my dad and my older brother anymore. I'd had enough of the place. My mum, I really loved her, but my dad and my brother, they were all right, but it just wasn't the same. One day I thought to myself, I know what I need to do. I'm going to ask my father for my inheritance. I'm going to go off and make a better life for myself. I plucked up the courage because I know it wasn't the right thing to do. And it's just unheard of, really, in those days. But I asked him, and he said, Okay, I don't want you to leave, but go with my blessing, and here's your inheritance. I could tell it the question really touched him. He, didn't, he wasn't happy about it. So a few days later, I got everything together, and it was really early in the morning, because I made sure I left without saying goodbye to anybody. I've travelled quite a distance to a foreign country. And once I was in this foreign country, I found somewhere to live. And it was okay. And you'd never believe it, because I made lots of friends. I splashed out and wine and sort of lovely feasts that we had from the Kentucky Fried Donut place that we had. And uh, we had lots of uh, attractive women that came round and entertained us. And that was really good. And the life was great. It was so much better than living with my father and living with my older brother back in that other country. My goodness, it was so much better. But after about a year, something really changed because there was a severe famine that happened. And lo and behold, the friends that I had became even more friendly because I still had plenty of money, I thought. And they were sort of thinking to themselves, yeah, we've got a right one here, I should think. So they stayed with me. And we had a good time, we still had money, and we were sort of with the ladies that I talked about earlier, and wine, and dancing, and all kinds of things that we were doing. It was great. But then all of a sudden, this famine took a bit hold of what I was doing, because I thought I had plenty of money left, but the money ran out. And when my money ran out, that was when my friends stopped coming round. They didn't seem to be so interested in me anymore. And surprisingly as well, those ladies that I used to enjoy being with, they stopped coming round as well. 
I found very much that I was on my own. There was no one interested in me. There was no one with me at all. I was just on my own. I was really in utter despair. I've never had that in my life at all before, where people didn't want to be with me. I had no money. I had nowhere to stay. I was beside myself. It was really terrible. And there was all these other people that were in dire straits as well. But for me, that was the first time in my life that anything so terrible had happened apart from my mum dying sort of a while before. I found a job. You'll never guess what sort of job it was. It was terrible. It was feeding pigs. I was brought up to say that pigs are unclean. Pigs are just, don't go near them. Pigs aren't the thing to do. And you know, I had a job to feed them clean them and sort them out. I've never felt anything so terrible. Things seemed to be going from bad to worse. At night I'd cry myself to sleep. That's if I got any sleep because it was so awful. I started thinking about home. I started thinking about my father, how much I loved him. I loved my father. He had all those servants. I bet they were better off than I was. I bet they weren't feeding pigs, unclean pigs. I couldn't eat what, they, what I was even given the pigs, the, the pods from the cupboard tree, because that was awful, it was terrible, horrible stuff. I decided to go back to my father. I decided that even though I'd done terrible things and I'd t sort of hurt him and hurt his name, shamed him, I thought the only thing I can do is go back to home and say, Father, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. Please accept me as one of your servants. It didn't take me long to get all my stuff together. I had nothing. So... I got on my way, and a few days later, I went over the crest of the hill, and there was home. I was so shocked, so surprised, because our house had a flat roof. And you'll never guess who was on the flat roof. I've said, don't say anything, so I'm glad you're not. It was my father, and he was looking out my way. It was almost as if he'd been looking out towards me, Every day, I'd not been there. Maybe he had. But I was only a hundred yards from the house, over the crest of this hill, and then suddenly he disappeared. His face had been delightful and just really sort of beautiful and great. But he disappeared, and I sort of I was practicing what I was going to say to my father. And all of a sudden, he came up to me. He came running. Sinjin, do you fancy being a volunteer? Thank you. <laughs> Give a big hand, Sinjin. And he embraced me. Oh, and he held me. And I said, Father, I've sinned against you. And I've sinned against heaven. But quickly he said, I forgive you, my son. You are forgiven. I love you. Oh. Welcome home. Oh. Do you know how I felt? He called me my son. Did you hear him? My father. 
He called me my son, and yet, had I acted like his son? I was despicable. I'd brought his name to ruin. I'd shamed him. He called me my son. I'm my father's son. Can you tell how I felt? But he didn't just say what my father just said. He said a few other things. He said, bring the best robe. Now, I thought that might come. I'd played it through in my head already. I'd thought... Oh, this scenario might happen, this scenario might happen. I thought what was going to happen, it was going to get the best robe, show it to me and say, this was yours, now clear off because you know what you've done to me. Get lost, don't come here again. But he didn't. He said, bring the best robe, don't just show it to him, put it on him. Don't just stop with the robe, we don't want just a robe. Ring of authority on his fingers. Look at his feet. He's, a, he's been a slave. He's had nothing to do. He's my son. Put some sandals on him. That's not enough. Where's that fattened calf? Let's celebrate. My son was dead, but he's now alive. I thought he'd gone, but now my son's back again. Oh, I need to sit down. How did all of that feel to the son? Amazing. I was the son, men born pretending to be the son. It totally changed me. Before, I was selfish. Before, I was interested in me. Before, I'd had those terrible experiences. I wasn't bothered about other people. I wasn't bothered about being generous to other people. I was interested in about what would come and help me. Now, a couple of years later, I was in Jerusalem, and my father was with me, and uh, we're having a great time at the temple and everything, really good. But my my father told me to go to Jericho. Now, I'd heard about this place before, because I've never been there, but I know that Jericho is about 17 miles away from Jerusalem. But it's not a pleasant journey, because Jerusalem is about 2,500 feet above sea level, And Jericho is about 800 feet below sea level. And it's a terrible place. I'd heard all kinds of stories about it because it's kind of a bit of rocky and desert, all kinds of things on the way. I'd heard of people getting hurt on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. I'd heard how people would got sort of mugged and ambushed and taken things away from them and got really hurt. So I was a bit apprehensive about what was going to happen. My father wanted me to go, though, so I did. So I was on my way, on my donkey, as you do. And about half an hour, or an hour or so, after I'd started off, I saw this man on the edge of the road. He looked in a right state. He looked like he'd been in trouble. I went over to him. Yeah, his face, his arms, his body wounds, all sorts of things going on. So I tidied up as best as I can and sort of, sort of tried to make him comfortable. And then I got him on my donkey. And about half an hour away, my father would say, oh, if you ever sort of need something, there's, a, there's an inn. So we went to this inn about half an hour away and I gave the innkeeper two silver coins. And I knew that would last a couple of months or so for taking care of this injured man. But just as I was leaving... The injured man came round a bit and he started talking to me. And he sort of said that 
while he was, has, after he'd been robbed, because that's what had happened to him, his possessions was taken away and he's duffed up. That's what I, that's what I was, sort of, the language I used when I was younger, duffed up. And so he'd been duffed up and uh, it's sort of, uh, all these sort of things had happened to him. And he faintly remembered a priest walking along the road. And he groaned, help, help. But the priest just carried on walking by. And then a bit later, he sort of recollects, he sort of remembered that there was this Levite that was there as well. And he's going, oh, help me, I'm in really trouble. He didn't. He just walked on by and just hurried past. And then me, a Samaritan, he sort of wanted to know, why would I help a Jew? Because Samaritans and Jews didn't get on there, kind of different kind of peoples. And so he wanted to know. But then I shared with him, I told him about my father and how he'd helped me, he changed me, and from being a selfish, horrible kind of person, really, to someone who had compassion, to someone who gave of their time, someone who gave of themselves. And I told this man that my father had done these great things for me, and now I knew that I just couldn't help myself, but do great things and lovely things and bless other people, as well. Now you might be familiar with what I've been saying then, thinking about those, and you've probably heard about those stories before. But for me, I wonder, did Jesus have in his mind that the prodigal son, that's the first story, and the good Samaritan were the same person? It'd be interesting to know, wouldn't it? That's why I think about it when I've read the stories. I think this person who, had, who went off and was selfish and horrible and, and went off and really terrible living and then found the error of his ways and knew he'd sinned and went back to his father and his father was merciful, gracious, loving. I'm pretty sure he became the Good Samaritan. You can tell me later if you disagree. That's okay. But I'm sure that's the same person. And they're the uh, parts of the Bible that you can look at if you want to look at it for yourself. Both in Luke. That's really interesting as well, isn't it? It's only Luke that tells us the story of the prodigal son and only Luke that tells us the Good Samaritan. So we're praying today. Let's have a few thoughts about prayer and let's just see where that story fits in to what we're thinking about today. I wonder, how do we pray? And I know that if we were going to sort of have a sort of, uh, I sort of uh, take a vote and sort of say, well, who votes this way? Who prays this way? Who prays that way? We'd all pray pretty different ways, wouldn't we? Sort of uh, some with the Bible, some just with the newspaper, some with a just quick five-minute prayer, some an hour a day or getting up at 5.30 to do it and it's brilliant. Some people pray all kinds of different ways. But our motivation... This might seem like a strange thing to say, but I wonder if sometimes we're selfish when we pray. My life, my friends, my church, my family, my country. What I want us to do today is think about being generous in prayer. Not just thinking me, my and I, but other people. And the different things that we're going to come to today we're going to be thinking about 
with that. So we're going to be thinking about, can we be generous in our prayers? And not just me, my and I, everything that I know about. Maybe some of you are very familiar with 2 Corinthians 9-7. And what I want to do is kind of make it from a, a, the idea that you know already into a different slant as well. So 2 Corinthians 9-7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now it's that cheerful giver bit that's really interesting. I think so. And hopefully in a few minutes you're going to be thinking, oh yeah, he was right about that. That's interesting. Because if we look at these other versions of 2 Corinthians 9-7, it says, let each one give, this is the Amplified, let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God lives a, loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. Here's another one. New century version. God loves the person who gives happily. And the final one, the message. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. Now, most of the different versions that I looked at, and I looked at 20 or 30, all say the cheerful giver. So I thought it'd be interesting, because I'm that kind of person, to look at the Greek. Here it is. Because looking at the Greek doesn't make a lot of difference to a lot of us, does it? But it's going to make a lot of a difference to us today. So, what have we got? We've got, Hileron, Gardoten, Agapa, Hothels. That's what it's saying. Now, what's that all about? It could be mumbo-jumbo for what we know. So, this is what it's about. Like we say, Hileron, Gardoten, Agapa, Hothels. Now, this word, Hileron, the first word, it means... Someone who is cheerfully ready to act because all, they are already approving. They're already persuaded to give. Someone else suggests it means it's a spontaneous, non-reluctant giving. So this Hilleron is non-reluctant. You're saying, yeah, have this, have that. I'm cheerfully doing it. It's great. Now, of course, the eagle-eyed amongst you, and there are plenty of those that I can see, are looking at this first word, Hileron. And you're thinking, hmm, that's reminding me of an English word, which is? Hilarious. Hilarious. Right. It's really dangerous, though, isn't it? Looking at an English word from a Greek word and then thinking, well, the English word means this. So that's definitely what the Greek word means. It's not like that. You can't go backwards, can you, when you're sort of studying sort of in different languages. So Hilarious, we might think, but it's not God loves a hilarious giver. It's not, ha, 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 have another £10. It's not like that, is it? It is definitely with complete abandon. It's like, I'm not reluctantly doing this. It's, have it. I'm giving it. It's yours. I wonder, if God loves a cheerful or non-reluctant giver, does he also love a cheerful and non-reluctant prayer? Can we be generous in our prayers? Just like we were saying about the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Do you remember the two people in the story that weren't good? So the parable of the Good Samaritan and this injured Jew. Who were the other two people? Priest and a Levite. Right, thank you very much. How generous were they? Let's have horrible faces for those Levites and priests. Yeah, they weren't very nice at all. 
But does God call us to walk on the other side when we see someone in need? Does God call us to ignore praying for someone when we know they need prayer? Perhaps God is challenging us to be generous. We get a choice, don't we? We could be choose whether to pray, to give, to love, to bless, or not. We can choose to do that. So, for a few minutes, we're just going to learn how we're going to pray, all right? For a lot of you, you know all this already, but I'm just saying it to encourage you, to help you and to encourage you. Some of you might have seen these posters outside and on the website and inside as well. Come and learn how to pray here. And what we want to try and do as a church is to encourage people to come that they can learn to pray. We want to learn to pray as well, but also we want people to come inside the church to read and to pray and to enjoy themselves. So we're going to try and have a few quick ideas about how we're going to learn to pray, and that'll be great. Some extra chairs down there. Colin, can you help with the extra chairs? That'd be great. Thank you. So here's the first thing then. So, we can read prayers in the Bible. Has anyone recently read a prayer in the Bible? We did. Colin! Shake that man's hand. Yeah. Because earlier on, we we read the Lord's Prayer, didn't we? So, all of us... Oh, Colin, you're a genius. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. So, we read lots of prayers. It's great. Let me say some of the prayers that we might have heard. Jesus prayed lots of prayers, all kinds of prayers. Get into those. Paul, when he was writing some of the churches, his epistles, he wrote prayers. Then we've got Abraham, Jehoshaphat, Daniel, some other people that we've, been pray- we've perhaps read about. Jesus shocked people when he prayed. Love your enemies. How shocking is that? But as we read the prayers that Jesus prayed and these other people in the Bible... So that's really encouraging and really good. I wonder if you've written, uh, sorry, if you've read other prayers, other written prayers, maybe from 200 years ago or 50 years ago. I find them really inspiring. Maybe you've read them as well. If not, I'd encourage you to. That would be a really good thing to do. I wonder if you ever listen to people pray and you're really inspired by their prayer. Some people have got a gift, haven't they? They can pray. I pray. Some people pray. And it's really good. Now, in the middle of August, Jill and I went to Windsor Castle. We had a great day. It was lovely. We sort of uh, saw these sort of statues and a heraldry and a big walls and everything. And it was great. Part of the day through, though, we sat down and had an ice cream. And uh, you're not going to be believing me, but the next 10 minutes was the highlight of the day. Because next to us sat two other people. And we started talking, you know, we'll have a good chat with anyone, won't we? So you just started talking. Okay, I'll have a good chat with anybody. All right, so you just, someone comes and sit next to you and you have a chat sort of away from, or they're from Norfolk, and you sort of talk about them and just sort of, and then they mention the word alpha. Do, 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 do. I heard it and I thought, I wonder what I'm going to say about that. So we sort of mentioned about church, and they carried on sort of with that kind of thing. So I thought, these are definitely Christians. Just an older couple than us, so maybe in their 60s, 
yep, in the 60s, whereas we're in our 40s, just. So we're sort of, <laughs> so we, uh, so I said to them, would you like to pray? Because again, if you can chat with anyone, you can pray with anyone, can't you? Yeah. So I said, let's, can we have a, can we pray for you? And the lady and gentleman said, yeah, that'd be very nice. So in a launched with a prayer. And it was just a John prayer, just because I can pray. And just, Lord bless them, thank you for where they're coming from. I'd remembered the conversation, because that's always good, isn't it? If you remember the conversation and put it back in the prayer, you know, it's oh, that's really good. So I did all of that and sort of said a scripture or something and, and then said, Amen. And they said, Amen. Then she started praying. She could pray. She had a great relationship with God. She was an intercessor. She prayed for Jill and I. She prayed for revival. She prayed for our country. She prayed. She prayed. She was a prayer. Can you tell why that was the highlight of the day? Because even though Windsor Castle is beautiful and brilliant and exciting and really interesting to look at all the different bits, someone prayed for us. And they really prayed for us. It wasn't just a token prayer. It wasn't just a few words. She was generous. She went for it. She was like the good Samaritan. Because they'd never met us before. We were just sat on a bench, eating an ice cream. And after I'd initiated, let's have a pray, she went for it. And God sometimes encourages us to do weird, shocking things. I've never prayed for anyone in Windsor Castle before. But I did then, and wasn't I so glad. Because doesn't God sometimes give back more than you give? And we certainly got back more then than we ever thought. So, listen to others pray. That was a lady who knew how to pray, and that really inspired me and encouraged me. Maybe we can use objects to help us to pray when you're at home. Jill's got lots of friends, and some of them send postcards when they go on holiday. So this one came from Cambodia. And I just looked at it. And what do you do when you get a postcard from Cambodia? You read it. But then you start praying for Cambodia, don't you? At least I do. That's an encouragement. Perhaps if you want to, if you get a postcard from somewhere nice and sunny, or maybe cold and wintry even, if you've never been there, look at it and say, Lord, I don't know much about that. I'm going to find out about that place. I'm going to see what the government's like. I'm going to see what the people are like. Lord, help me to show them and help them. Maybe you might have a map on the wall or a nice inflatable globe like this. Sometimes, because I keep this in Ruben's room, sometimes I go in Ruben's room and just get this and have a spin around the globe and say Indonesia. And I'll look up Indonesia and pray about it. Maybe there's a map somewhere where you are or an atlas or something like that. You can just spin it and have a look and sort of say, Lord, today I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be looking at just what I'm doing. Lord, show me something new, something different. Maybe you might have a flag. Oh, this is a brilliant flag. Look at this. Now, who can tell me where this is the flag of? Apart from Jill. (laughs) Because who thinks they know where this flag is from? One of the best places in the world. Say it again. Not Cambodia, no. Greece, not Greece, that's another colour. Northumberland. <laughs> what? <laughs> Northumberland, the best county in the country. This is Northumberland's flag. You know, just north of Newcastle. Northumberland. So I've got a flag of Northumberland. It's a long story. But my family used to live there. 
and they moved down to Staffordshire in 1872. So it's a long time ago, but I love the place, and it's great. But maybe you might have a flag, and you just think to yourself, I'm going to play for either that county, that country, or it might be a European Union flag, or it might be a United Nations flag. You know what I mean? So you might have a flag at home, or just see one on the telly, and think to yourself, right, I'm going to use that. That's going to be great. Maybe you've got a copy of this at home. Operation World. Fantastic book. You can just delve in every day of the week. It's got, well, it's got days underneath that you could be looking at. And you could just delve in and find things that are going on in a country. Look on websites. It tells you about it. We can be generous as we pray. Thinking about others. Thinking about people that are not in our situations. And not just be thinking, like we've said before, that we can just do our own my friends, my family, my health. That's a few quick thoughts about prayer. Probably next year, we're going to have a series on prayer. So there's more to learn and more to talk about. It's going to be great. I bet some of you in the last month have thought about this scripture. It's from Ephesians 3, verse 20. And what I want us to do today is really have this at the bottom of all our prayers. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. That's brilliant. This week I had to go to the doctors because they give you one of these free health checks every five years, don't they? So uh, immeasurably more. I mean, I'm not very tall really, but she was down here and she found it very hard to measure how tall I was. She had to get on the weighing machine to sort of, and then sort of get up like that. It was really amusing. But the thing is, I thought of this scripture then, immeasurably more, like, I'm not so tall, but how God is, can do things immeasurably more. What's the biggest number you can think of, Reuben? Google, Plex or something, is it? Yeah. God's got bigger numbers than that. God's measurements are just past infinity. Our infinity... Is like that, isn't it? Don't shock your neighbour. But if you go like this, that's not even God's infinity because that's just a bit of God's infinity, isn't it? Whereas we think how brilliant humans are and this is infinity. Whereas, whoa, God is immeasurable and he can do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. So today, God asks us to be generous as we pray. To be the good Samaritan, not the prodigal son, where, oh my, I want my inheritance, I want everything for me. But as I believe, the prodigal son turned into the good Samaritan. So I believe God wants all of us to be good Samaritans as we pray. To be generous and to be motivated by love and kindness to other people. Next week, there's Partnership Sunday. But the week after that, we're going to start looking at 1 Corinthians. So we're going to be doing this in October and November. So soon there'll be lots more things on the website about it, and Paul will tell us some more things about it next week. But that's what we're going to be doing very soon. Now, we are going to pray, because that's what we're here for. And how do we pray today? First things first, we're going to pray for a couple of minutes for the next item, and then we're going to do some singing, then we're going to be some praying again. So there's a lot of mixture. It's not just going to be praying 
for the next sort of three quarters of an hour or so. So, how do we pray today? First of all, we're going to pray for those in authority. Now, you might think, I'm not sure who's in authority. So I've done some pictures. We've got Her Majesty the Queen, Justin Welby, Chris Cartwright, Paul. That's Martin Jelly. He's the uh, Chief Constable of Warwickshire. Then we've got Dennis Harvey here. We've got Theresa May, Marcus, we've got Craig, we've got Mark, and we've got David. So these last four are all MPs for our local area. may not be your MP, but they're all very close to where we are. So what I want you to do is look at one of the people. Maybe you didn't catch all their names. That doesn't matter. Just think of one. And what I want you to do is just stand up, and we're all going to pray for one person. Right? Just for a minute. So let's do that. Let's stand up. And we're going to pray together and pray out loud. Yeah, all of us together at the same time. 